Hey, it's Joe. If I send you my Instagram, can you look through it and then tell me which of my pictures might be the most commercial? Absolutely. Um, do you have your phone? I do, yeah. So it's Joe Piazza author. How do you spell Piazza? Um, Amber Venn's box is scrolling my Instagram. I called her up and asked her to scroll my Instagram to tell me if I got what it takes to be a mom influencer. Okay, great. So there's an adorable image of your daughter wearing kind of this little heart onesie romper. That would be an amazing post for Light to Know It. Great. Amber's an expert at this sort of thing. Probably the expert. She is the founder and president of both Reward Style and Like to Know It. These are the platforms that make influencing possible. They're huge. In the past 10 years, influencers who work with Reward Style and Like to Know It have sold more than $8 billion in products for brands from Gucci to Walmart. Now, most of my pictures on my account are of my kids. So by asking Amber if my pictures are commercial, it's almost like asking which of my kids is more commercial. Which, when you put it that way, is as uncomfortable as changing in a communal dressing room at TJ Maxx. You know, let's see, the, the cute little tiny feminist, that one would be gold on Like To Do It. So many people would love that piece. They would want to have and, and share and buy that piece. That one would do very well. Now, in addition to helping influencers sell you products, Reward Style also trains women to be influencers. It helps them figure out how to make their lives shoppable. Together, we have pioneered a new industry. From Shanghai to LA and Berlin to Sao Paulo, Reward Style influencers have grown into an incredibly strong, thriving community of entrepreneurs. This is Reward Style. I've interviewed about 100 influencers now, and most of them have told me I have got to get on Reward Style. They say the Reward Style training program is like the Harvard for influencers. It's often said that Reward Style is like grad school for influencers. Um, we now have 100 Reward Style millionaires. And what that means is these are individuals, solopreneurs who have been empowered by our platform. They've come to it. They've built their business with us. And through our platform alone, they have earned over $1 million. That's incredible. And they're women. Are they all women? They are all women. All 100 of the our Reward Style millionaires are women. Gosh. I, mean, I can't, I actually can't think of any other industry that has minted so many female millionaires in such a short period of time. Can you? I can't. Maybe only Hollywood. Maybe this industry is second only to Hollywood. Maybe, but I would say that we're going to beat Hollywood. You have to apply to be a reward style influencer. And according to some statistics, their acceptance rate is even lower than Harvard's. I didn't get into Harvard 22 years ago, but I feel like I have a shot with reward style. Now I get to find out if my life as a mother is investable, commercial, shoppable. I'm Joe Piazza, and you're Under the Influence. Chapter three, a shoppable life. Today, I'm signing up to be a reward style influencer. Deep breath. When I talked to Amber, she told me how to do it and it sounded pretty easy. 
pretty painless. You would go to rewardstyle.com and go to our influencer page and apply. And the team is actually looking for certain things. We vet those applications and then we make investments in influencers that we think are investable. So I go to www.rewardstyle.com. Everyone on this page is so good looking. I am not this good looking. All right, apply now. Boom. Tell us about you. First name. This is way easier than Harvard. Region. I live in Philadelphia, but I have a lot of friends in New York and LA, which seems a lot sexier. Not that Philly's not sexy. Love Philly. Best city in America. Please provide all the channels you post content to regularly. I don't know what half of these are. What's Plurk? What's Billy Billy? No, not, I don't even, I can't even think about TikTok. Username, Joe Piazza, author. All right, these questions are optional, but can help increase your chances of being approved. Please identify one of the categories you need help with. All right, monetize, I wanna monetize myself. How much time do you plan to dedicate to creating and monetizing content? As little as possible. That's not true. I'm going to tell them full time. You'd think they'd ask you more. You'd think they'd want to know a little bit more about me. Like, do you like to take long walks on the beach? I'm a Virgo. I enjoy pasta, but I've been doing a keto diet recently. All right. Well, bam. That's all we got. Reward style. Application submitted. Now I just have to wait and see if I get accepted. But while I wait, I want to figure out what a shoppable life even means. So I called Emily Hund from Penn again. Shoppable life is a term that I came up with with my colleague, Lee McGuigan. We are looking for a way to sort of encapsulate what was going on on Instagram <laughs> um, with people monetizing their lifestyles. So shoppability is this idea that any place, piece of content, experience could be a potential site of commerce. So when I wake up in the morning in my Brooklyn and sheets and make my way to the bathroom to use my Billy razor to shave the bottom half of my legs and then put my everyday oil on my face to get that just got screwed glow. What? Yes, I genuinely love these brands. This is not an ad. These people are not paying me yet. But if Reward Style approves me, these could all be potential sponsors of my Instagram side hustle. But the thing about being shoppable, when you start documenting and broadcasting your entire life on Instagram, the opportunities for product placement feel endless. This all has the potential to get real overwhelming real fast. A lot of the mom influencers I've talked to say that they have moments where it's hard to separate their real life from their brand-friendly Instagram life. Suddenly, I was learning that everything I saw was content. That changed the way I did everything. I was picking betting because it was what I liked and also, does anyone else have anything like this? How is this going to photograph? Can I link to this and get an affiliate off of it? That's Natalie Levin again. We talked to her in the last episode. She was one of the early mom-influencing celebrities, the creator of the Hey Natalie Jean Instagram account. And that blurry boundary between life and business that she describes, that was so disorienting to her that she eventually quit this crazy world. 
but we'll get to that in a later episode. For now, back to Emily Hund. Your participation in commercial life is no longer limited to actually going to a store. Shopping is something that could potentially happen anywhere. This has sort of been growing and sort of creeping up on us for a long time. We've talked about the history of influencing already. We talked about Lucille Ball revolutionizing mom influencing on TV, but there have been other versions of the shoppable life too. Especially if you were a kid in the 80s and your parents watched TV late at night, you're going to recognize a lot of these. You know, we kind of talk about like older forms. Like if you think about like an infomercial. The following is a paid advertisement for the Express Ready, Set, Go. That was like an early attempt to make watching television a shopping experience. So the shoppable life on Instagram is just this idea that we're presenting our lifestyles in images and in Instagram stories and that they can be merchandised and monetized pretty seamlessly. The merchandising and monetization of Instagram and Instagram stories is the idea that you can buy another person's entire life with just one click. It's amazing. Watch how It's as easy as putting in your fingerprint and within a matter of seconds, you can go from looking at this picture of someone's life to owning a piece of that life. I don't pretend to be, you know, exempt from this either. I recently bought a rug for my bedroom. And I think that's part of the appeal of influencers more generally is they make life easier for their followers. I do this all the time. I mindlessly order organic nipples and nursing tops that have empowering messages that I secretly hate. You've got this, mama. And I know in my heart of hearts that all of this is just maternal fetish wear, but I'm buying the lives of the women who make motherhood look easy and beautiful because I desperately want something in my own life to be easy and beautiful. You're okay, baby. We live in a time of total information overload and aesthetic overload. And again, like I said, zooming out even further, these broader like societal issues with work and things like that, people are just overwhelmed. When you find someone online whose style you like or, you know, whose lifestyle resonates with yours for whatever reason, it's easy to just follow them and say, I'm just going to let this person make my decisions. Think about how easy and wonderful it is to let someone else curate your life for you. When you become a mom for the first time, your entire identity shifts. And that is one of the reasons that moms are so susceptible to influencer marketing on Instagram. At no other time in our lives except for puberty has our identity been so malleable. Have we had no idea who the fuck we are? Until five years ago, I knew exactly who I was. I was an author, a reporter, a best friend. Many nights, the girl who stayed too late at the club Three years ago, I became one thing. And the worst part of that is I had no idea how to be that thing. How to be a mom, a mama, a mommy. There are too many decisions to be made in a day as a parent. And the idea of being told what to do and how to be and what to put on my body to be a good mother feels like a goddamn miracle. I totally get that. Absolutely. There's Glynis on one of our nightly phone calls. But I'm curious how many things you have actually purchased via Instagram. 
Do you want to walk through my house and I can show you? <laughs> I would like to walk through your house, actually. Why don't you just uh, pick one room and walk me through that? All right, let's do my bedroom. After spending a lot of time on Instagram, I realized I've made my entire bedroom white. All white, white sheets, Brooklyn Inn and parachute, white curtains, those are Ikea, white carpet, home goods. I mean, I've gotten white on the cheap, but it's kind of great. It feels like walking into a cloud or a coma, both of which I imagine are very comforting things. <laughs> um, it sounds like walking into an uh, invitation for a toddler to spill something. Oh, it's filthy. It started out as white, and now everything is kind of a dull yellow. But it still, but it still feels very soothing. Anyway, I have to say I love my white bedroom, and Instagram kind of programmed me. Not having to make any decisions, someone else telling me what to do, it takes something off my plate, it takes something off my to-do list, and it reminds me of that scene that I love so much in Fleabag, uh, season two, where she's in the confession booth and she says, I just want someone else to tell me what to do. I think that we all just want to be told what to do, and then she has hot priest sex. But here's my question, Joe: is does waking up in an Instagram room bring with it like the satisfaction of looking at an Instagram room? Do you feel like you're in the picture? I do. Sometimes I, it's so creepy, right? But sometimes when it's clean, in the one hour a week that my room is clean, I do wake up and I feel like I'm in a movie set. One of those Nancy Myers movies with Diane Keaton where she wears the turtlenecks and everything is white and beautiful or in an Instagram. But look, I bought all of these things just by clicking on my screen. It wasn't always this easy. Do you remember when you couldn't even shop on Instagram? It's not that long ago that Instagram was just for FOMO and it wasn't for, you know, satisfying your FOMO with with a purchase, essentially. Do you remember when we used to have to go to a mall to buy things? I remember having to go to a mall to find out what I wanted to buy. The immediacy of this sometimes feels to me like the fantasy of eight-year-old us. Like, you want what you want when you want it, and now, and now you can have it. I miss the mall. I, I do not miss the mall, Joe. I loved the mall. <laughs> but, but no, but it's true. When Instagram first started, sometimes people would put products in their Instagram. And remember, you would look at it and be like, oh, I like that product, but now I have to search. Now I have to Google what that is and go to their website. And it was clunky. It was just, you, you couldn't shop on Instagram. But there were a handful of entrepreneurs, women, who broke that system. Somebody was like, I don't need to spend the next 45 minutes coming up with various search terms for this caftan to find out where this woman purchased it. I'm going to provide it for people and take a piece of the pie. I'm going to deliver this caftan directly to your email. And that woman was Amber Vensbox. Amber Vensbox. It's a great name. I love a three-name name. She's the woman who was scrolling through my Instagram at the beginning of this episode. And when we get back, you're going to hear about how she became the biggest tech CEO that you probably have never heard of. But you should. If you know Mark Zuckerberg's freaking name, you need to know her name. Be right back.
We did our history lesson in the last episode, but we didn't really talk about how we were able to start shopping on Instagram, how a shoppable life became possible. A lot of companies tried to solve this problem, but the most successful one has been reward style and like to know it. I'm gonna geek out a little bit about this story because frankly, we don't geek out enough about women founders. Unlike most tech darlings, Amber Vensbox does not live in Silicon Valley. She's unapologetically based in Dallas, where she's lived since she moved back in with her dad after finishing college during the 2008 financial crisis. Back then, she was designing jewelry, and she just landed a job as a personal shopper. She got paid by commission for selling clothes to really fancy clients. As one does, she started a blog to try to market her business. I started this website thinking that it was going to be a marketing tool for my offline business of personal shopping. At the time, personal shopping, a lot of people maybe had assumptions about it or didn't know what that business was. And so my thought was, okay, I'll start this website. I'll show them what I do. I'll show them my point of view and how it all works and what they're getting into. And I'll book more offline customers. This was a very smart marketing decision that turned into a terrible business decision. This um, was actually a great innovation that my customers didn't even know that they wanted. And so they just started going to the site to shop and cutting me out of my business because I wasn't able to collect commission on the sales that I drove online the way that I was offline. So people would just buy what she recommended on the website. They didn't need her anymore. She thought about how to fix that, how she could get paid for her recommendations. I like this part of the story. I like it a lot. Amber is very upfront about the fact that she launched her company to figure out how to get herself paid. She wanted to make money. My then boyfriend, now husband and I were sitting around in his apartment one day and just kind of talking about what I was going to do. He just said, you know, this seems like something that you love. Do you want to continue to do it? And I said, yes. To me, I just wanted to make money the same way I had offline, which was I'm driving a sale. I earn a commission. That's the business that I knew. And I just wanted to be able to prove to these stores that, you know, that I was the one driving the online sale um, and get paid the same way I always had. And we went on a walk to our local Starbucks and just sat down and thought about, you know, how this would work and how people could get paid. And and he asked me, well, what would this thing be called? And at the time I was maybe, you know, 20 years old. And I said, well, I think it would be called reward style because if you have great taste, then people will buy things and you'll make money. And we just got online and looked up and found that rewardstyle.com was available and purchased the domain. The website was very simple. It was based off the idea of affiliate linking that most websites use today. It linked bloggers with brands and then paid them a commission on each sale that they drove to that website. But in the beginning, brands were still like, meh, why should we do this? Bloggers are still doing shit for free. But Amber hustled her ass off and got the brands to come on board. But then eyeballs went from blogs to social media feeds. So Amber launched a new product to deal with Instagram. At the time when Instagram launched, there was no linking out of the app. And so our influencers were building huge audiences. They're creating more content there than they even were on their blogs or their Pinterest or Facebook or Twitter. They kept just telling us like, please monetize Instagram, please monetize Instagram. And the concept that we came up with was, okay, if we could make the like button a trigger for a email newsletter, And then, you know, back to the way that I love to name things, like to know it was quite literal. You would hit the like button and then you could know everything about the post. 
Within the app, an influencer could tag nearly everything in their lives and consumers could buy it with just one tap. This moment is what Emily Hunt refers to as the start of the shoppable life. The most important part of being on the reward style platform is knowing how to create and publish like to know it posts. First things first, you want to make sure you've downloaded the reward style app. Once you've done that, open it up to get started. Tap enable a new image and from your camera roll. The first iteration of like to know it was a newsletter. And then in 2017, they launched the like to know it shopping app. That made purchasing even easier. It became a one-stop shop for people who like to shop from influencers who wanted someone else to tell them what to buy. That very first year, consumers bought about $10 million worth of products through the service. And then the next year, it grew to $50 million. And then the following year, $150 million. And then up to $500 million. And it was increasingly becoming a, a critical piece of our ecosystem, not just for our influencers, but for our brands. Fast forward to today, it's the largest single driver of, of sales for our retailers. It's growing triple digits annually. And last year, consumers purchased $1 billion worth of products through the Like to Know It app alone. $1 billion. It ain't nothing. So Amber's company is helping you buy things, but it's also helping brands sell things. It's helping brands meet their customers where they're at. And where they're at all the time even in the bathroom, is online. We now have 5,000 retailers who are integrated into our technology and commissioning on the sales that our influencers are driving through their content. You can imagine all the traffic we're driving and then now also billions of dollars in sales to these guys every year. On the influencer side, influencers are accepted into our ecosystem. They're provided really four things. They're provided uh, off the bat, immediate um, relationship with these 5,000 retailers. They're provided with publishing technology, both through our mobile app and our desktop platform to publish their content in a way that makes it shoppable for consumers across any platform. You can shop anywhere, anytime. And with that, a quick break. Buy yourself something nice while we're gone. Amber Vensbox is a 34-year-old mother of four and the president of a company that has driven more than $8 billion in sales to brands in the past 10 years. Why the hell hasn't she been on the cover of Forbes? I cannot stop thinking about the numbers that Amber threw around when she explained how reward style completely changed the way we shop on Instagram. I was very excited and I texted Glynis and then she didn't respond to my text, so I called her to talk more about it. Joe, those numbers are insane. Have you asked for an application? Oh, yeah. I applied this morning. I think that what they do is they just look at your Instagram feed and they decide by looking at your Instagram feed if you're shoppable, commercial, beautiful, perfect enough to allow you to become a reward style influencer. Okay, I have some questions. What what is the, what did they ask you on the application? That's what I the first thing I want to know. Like, is it do they look at your follower count? Like, what is the SAT score version of this? Do you have to have a certain amount of followers or posts per day or likes? They just want your info, and then they take a look for themselves. Well, obviously, they're going to see B and Charlie, and that'll be the end of that. Totally, they're the most adorable children of all time. 
who doesn't want to buy B and Charlie? Oh, when you say it like that, it feels so gross. I don't want someone to buy my children. <laughs> when I know when I when I talked to Amber on the phone before, she told me that B was more commercial than Charlie. Oh my god. Does reward style offer future therapy for your children? Reward style does not provide therapy for your children. That is not a service that they offer. And Glennis was joking. But I am considering what this can do to my family. And we are getting into that later. Right now, I'm still trying to exploit my children by getting accepted to reward style. You're applying blindly to a secret club that could bring you millions of dollars if you have what it takes though you don't know what it takes. Glynis, as usual, was right. I still had no idea what was going to get me into this secret club. And the beauty of being a journalist is that I could just ask Amber and her team what they were looking for in an applicant. Yes, so we're looking at how long you've been creating content, how engaged your audience is, what types of content are, and on what channels. Are you a single channel or are you multi-channel? And are you creating the types of content that would be able to be commercial? So for example, are you showing your kids out riding a bicycle and we can see the kid, we can see their outfit, we can see the bicycle. That's totally commercial. We can actually say like, I chose this bicycle because it was the right price point. I like the way it was monochromatic. And my kids, you know, always wear these cute little cashmere suits from H&M. You won't even believe how inexpensive they are. Obviously people are buying into your life and your lifestyle. And so it needs to be very well-rounded. There needs to be enough content there to where we could monetize it. I also asked, once you pass the test, once you get accepted, who is actually making good money? There's thousands of women who are supporting themselves and their family through reward style and behind them, thousands of women who are just supporting themselves. Behind that is really those that are using this to supplement their income. And so maybe they still do have other careers. We have very successful influencers who are running PR agencies who are still nurses, who are doing other things that it changes their quality of life. But there's a trickle down effect here. Now it's not just the influencers making the money. Now some of these women are employing the rest of their family too. You know, now we're seeing husbands and sisters and mothers and all of this kind of folding into the family business, which is now influence. Today, nearly 30% of our influencers identify family as one of their top three content categories. And when we look at 2019, we see 100% growth in family influencers year over year. 100% growth in the family category. It does make you wonder about the incentives that come with that money. Sarah Fryer, the Instagram historian and author of No Filter, has some thoughts on that. Sometimes I look at mom influencers and wonder if they would have as many children if not for the amazing sponsorships that come with being pregnant or having a baby. It's a great story you can tell. I think there's a lot of nostalgia that people have for the time that their kids are babies and a lot of aspirations to be that kind of perfect mother to a baby that makes it so lucrative. The idea that some influencers build their lives around this idea of shoppability, it's pretty dark. It's a black mirror dark. But according to Amber, when we talked to her in the beginning of this episode, my life feels shoppable. My kids seem to have what it takes. Your daughter wearing kind of this little heart onesie romper, that would be an amazing post for Light to Know It. So I was excited and a little nervous when I got my email back from Reward Style about the status of my application. 
Thank you for your interest in Reward Style, an exclusive invitation-only platform for digital publishers. We've carefully reviewed your application and unfortunately your request to become a member of Reward Style was not accepted at this time. This decision is a reflection of the competition for admission and does not detract from the impressive credentials you submitted. We encourage you to continue publishing and apply again in the future. Sincerely, the Reward Style team. Fuck. Seriously? Well, now I feel like shit. I was cocky, man. I thought I had this. So you were rejected by the mommy bloggers. I was rejected by reward style. They told me I That's my best friend Jackie. She was the first person I called when I got rejected from reward style. That makes me angry on so many levels. Because it's funny, even though I didn't know if this is actually something I wanted to do, the rejection still stung. I don't know. I think that I think they just look at my Instagram and they're like, no, you do not have a shoppable life. People will not want to click and buy your life. On behalf of all the moms that are normal, like, am I allowed to cuss? You can cuss, yeah. What the, what the fuck? Seriously. <laughs> so that's so offensive. And then who are they to be the arbiters of, of, of all these, I of all they're these the things? People, I think that they don't want normal humans. I think they want superhumans. But the the quote-unquote superhumans on Instagram, we all know, are bullshit. What would you do if you're taking pictures of your children and it's not, they don't look photogenic? What if you think they don't look sellable? That's awful. That's, <laughs> oh, that's horrific. Oh, right? Oh, see, now it feels gross. I think it's gross. And I, no. I, and I hate them on your behalf. <laughs> I'm very angry. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you very much. Thank you. Thank you for that. There was a long time in my life where I didn't get rejected from things. I'm good at stuff. But it's happening more and more. I haven't told anyone this, but last year I wrote half of a new novel and I thought it was a home run, but my editor told me it just wasn't commercial enough. I scrapped 200 pages. I applied to some jobs, never heard back, totally ghosted. My last novel, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, it was supposed to be this huge Amazon TV show with Julia Roberts. And then Julia Roberts bailed on me. I got rejected by Julia Roberts. No one in my life is allowed to watch Notting Hill ever again. I'm reaching a point in my life where I am no longer the hot young 30 under 30 girl Friday. I'm a middle-aged Sally. No one wants a middle-aged Sally. I called Amber again, fully realizing that I am probably very annoying at this point. But I wanted more clues. This is what she told me. It's actually really all about authenticity and off-the-cuff looking content um, that feels very, very relatable. The stuff that doesn't feel like a stage, that doesn't feel like it's a model, that doesn't feel like a caption, that's like someone who lives in, in a totally fake world. I thought that's what I was doing. I literally just take pictures of my real life. I realize that the Instagram version of my life isn't as perfect and beautiful as a lot of the women that are in reward style ranks. But I am not a quitter. Not like Julia Roberts. I'm still doing this thing. But to do that, I need to figure out what the hell Amber means when she says authentic. What does it mean to be an authentic mother on Instagram? An authentic woman. We are going to find out next week. 
Under the Influence is reported and hosted by me, Joe Piazza. Our story editor is Glynis McNichol. Emily Marinoff is our producer. We had production assistance on this episode from Mary Dew. Sound design by Emily Marinoff and Jessica Kreinchich. Our theme and additional music was composed by Jessica Kreinchich. Mixing was done by Jackie Huntington. Additional research conducted by Jocelyn Sears. Julian Weller is our consulting producer. And Manga Shetikador is our executive producer. Special thanks to Isabel Lamb from Reward Style for her constant coordination of all of my interviews with Amber. And Emily Hund from the University of Pennsylvania's Annenberg School for Communication. And thank you, thank you to Morgan Lavoy and Christina Everett for lending their voice acting skills to this episode. They're way better than making my husband do all the voices. 